Welcome to After the Show, your weekly movie podcast brought to you by A Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Hello, everybody. Welcome to After the Show. Hello, Sid Talk. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you for asking. You know why this sounds funny, this podcast? I've got my headphones on. I thought it, everything <laughs> sounded a bit weird, so I'm going to take them off. Aye. Don't mind me taking my headphones off. No, the before the after the show discussion was not your headphones. It was a little bit about Nicolas Cage, like the history of Nicolas Cage you read to me from whatever source <laughs> on Tinternet. Uh, Wikipedia, actually. Ah, oh, well, there you go. A true source of information. Yeah. Cagepedia. Yeah, the history of Nicolas Cage. It's pretty interesting. He's an interesting man. Let's say that. So it is Saturday, June the 10th, and this is after the show. We're a movie review podcast, and on episode 791, we're looking at a brand new movie called Renfield. It's a 2023 release. You can get it now on streaming and Blu-ray. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Universal. Sid Talk, can you give us a synopsis of the movie Renfield? Dracula's little servant in the modern world with comedy and grossness. Spot right. Gore. Gross. Not grossness. Gore. You said it's like <laughs> wick with vampire. Yes. Yeah. It did remind me of that. Let me uh, give you the one off the box. Aye. Renfield, Dracula's henchman, an inmate at the lunatic asylum for decades, longs for a life away from the count his various demands, and all of the bloodshed that comes with it. But at what cost? An inmate at the asylum? What are yeah. we talking about? There was no asylum? It was shown in that like that brief um, clip at the beginning where it was remaking the old Dracula movie. He wasn't in an asylum. He just lived with Dracula. And then after that. No, I don't remember that. I'll have to rewatch it It was all. very quick. Yeah. Hmm. The uh, director likes to say that this is the actual direct sequel of the 1931 Dracula. I disagree. So what did you think? What do I think overall? Of so what the, you're asking yes. me? Yes. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> if I start with here's the deal, it's not going to be great. One, it's fun. It's a fun concept. Yes, there's lots of violence and gore, but there's a lot of times when I was like, damn, oh my God, <laughs> like plates cutting off arms and... Lots of weird, big stunt comedy violence. As far as Dracula being a mo in the modern world and having his servant guy, okay. But what we've done is layered on top of that, which I understand from you telling me from your research on Nicolas Cage and whatnot. Yes. Is that it's about dependency and codependency and narcissism and being in a dangerous relationship and... You know, one person's in control and one person's the victim kind of situation. So we've layered that on top. And then on top of that, we've layered an attempt at what they do in the darkness. Is that what it's called? Exactly. What, that kind what of, they do in the shadows. What they do in the shadows. Kind of wacky, uncomfortable comedy but in that sort of like avant-garde way or something. I don't know. Trying that mixed with like some sentimentality, but that that's not even there. It's a very, um, it's like a cake recipe. That's just not right. You You're know, it's like a hodgepodge. It's like a hodgepodge. 
And while I enjoyed the experience, it didn't commit to anything. Like I like a movie that commits to like, you're either full on gore and you're scaring the shit out of me. Cause this Dracula dude is relentless. He's purely, truly 100%. Because in the movie, he decides he wants to dominate the world now. After all these years, he's decided now he's going to rule the world because he sees himself as like a god or whatever. He's either that and like, but see, I say it with that sense of like, whatever. You know why? Because he's not threatening. Yes, he's gorgeous. I mean, he is threatening. I mean, he's terrible. He murders people just randomly. Yeah, but that's not the way he is isn't threatening to me. Right. Because it's comedy murder and in this sense of this kind of, this world, right? I mean, it's brutal, but it's brutal, tongue in cheek. But also, I understand immediately that he has vulnerabilities, right? Because we open with a shot of him being captured in some sort of like circle of capture, whatever it was, in the very opening sequence, right? Right. So now we know he's vulnerable. He's not invulnerable to this. And of course, that's going to happen again. Somebody's going to capture him. We've got stakes through the heart and all that kind of shit, right? No point in the movie am I convinced that this Dracula is anything other than, as we're describing him, a narcissist. He's manipulative. He's like a whiny baby, right? So he's not getting <laughs> his way. So his the result of him doing that is unfortunately randomly killing a bunch of innocent people. But in this world, we also learn his a little bit of his blood will bring people back. So you don't even feel like that's a super bad threat. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Nothing about it says to me, holy crap, like this person is going to return and truly wreak havoc on the world. He's more like, oh, I'm Dracula. Which and is if he funny had a mustache, he would be twirling point. it. Yeah, it's funny at this point. Yeah. I mean, back in 1931 when they made Dracula, it was terrifying because people had never seen anything. We've seen so many versions of Dracula funny ones, cartoon ones, real, like, horrific supposed-to-be ones. But at this point, it's a kind of a caricature, isn't it, Dracula? If you're going to commit to the full-on comedy with the gore, which is fine because we have Shaun of the Dead, right? That's a very serious subject mixed with comedy, mixed with what feels like grounded violence and consequences and you know the threat feels like oh crap like the world ha 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 the world's being overtaken with zombies you know what i mean like yes yeah, shawn of the dead was very that, effective yes this doesn't go there it doesn't go to the full it doesn't even like switch over at one point and be like uh guess what everybody this guy is seriously bad and we should all be afraid it never because he's mixing up now with criminals who are just a joke. I mean, they're also trying to be super horrible. Yeah. So you can explain that side of the family. <laughs> the Yeah. See, I thought there was going to be more to that side, the crime family. Mm -hmm. I thought the crime family were basically going to be Dracula's like arch enemy, actually from Transylvania or something. Oh. Because the mother seemed like she would be something interesting, didn't she? Turns out. Spoilers. It didn't go anywhere, yeah. It doesn't go anywhere, like, apart from having a enemy. That's literally all they are. They're just an enemy for... But they're not an enemy for him. He he. I mean, something to shoot at is what I'm getting at. Like, to have a 
to have action scenes. Right. Like, so what you're what we're actually saying is Dracula finds out about this crime family who are horrible people and is going to team up with them. Right. They're not his enemy. No. But I they thought just become, that that's where it was going to go. They're they, just providing the thugs for a later scene when we're going to have more thugs to shoot yeah, at. Cause yeah. Because who are we going to be like murdering and shooting if we don't have something? That's what it felt like to me. I thought there was going to be some kind of reveal that was clever and interesting and they were something else, but they weren't. They were just people who were crime, uh, cartoon crime bosses. Yes, cartoon crime boss. And I know John Wick, that's where it reminded me of John Wick because they were all in like black vehicles and everybody had a big machine gun and whenever they turned up, there was going to be a big shootout and also a load of gore or, you know, fighting. Mm -hmm. That's the John Wick element to me, but it fails like a kind of everything i really enjoyed the minute to minute thing but these things i disliked and what i dislike is i don't like movies that are framed around people sitting in a therapy room like a group therapy talking to each other <laughs> it kind of annoys me it's really overused and so to to to, fault, to explain in the opening we have renfield who just looks like a normal do- dude who's in one of those self-help group situations right. With people who have, un, like, they their relationships are toxic, right? Yeah. And they're talking about the other person is the monster and I'm the victim kind yeah. of situation. Yeah, so the whole movie is framed around that premise. Right. And then, you know, it tries to be funny with, like, Renfield, who looks like he came from 1931. But then he, like oh, does himself up so he looks like a modern dude. Yeah, that whole thing. I was like, okay, so he went to another to an apartment. Okay, so he's living with Dracula, who has been burned up by somebody. And like a slummy kind of. Well, it's an abandoned hospital. Right. So it's really creepy and gross, right? Because Dracula was injured at some time ago. We don't know how long it's been, and he's recovering. So the there's big wall of bags of blood hanging there and all that kind of stuff. Well, at some point in the movie, Renfield's like, yeah, I deserve better and I don't want to be a servant. So now we get a sequence of him finding Moving an apartment, out. getting new clothes, but we don't have a time frame. And also Dracula can talk to him in his mind and he can <laughs> find him. I don't understand the, th- I mean, I get it. We're going for comedy, but okay. I'm not a writer. And so I shouldn't criticize the writing, but I'm going to, if you're writing the story, just make it all make sense or make it completely bizarre. No sense at all. Don't mishy-mosh me around. Mm. Mishy-moshy me? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. Don't mishy-moshy me. <laughs> That's why I'm not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of ideas, it felt like. It also felt pretty choppy, like some of the scenes just like ended and then you were in something else. You're like, what? Yes, I felt really... Things were missing or they didn't. Yeah. We saw these deleted scenes on the disc. At the, in the credits at the end, they were showing you scenes from the movie and then there was like a dance sequence and you said, there was no dance sequence, yeah. what's that? And we found it and it was a deleted scene. And it was literally what I just said it is, a dance sequence that doesn't really fit with the rest of it. No, I'm glad they cut it out. Yeah, it makes it something else if you add that sequence. That means if you're going to commit to that, where he's imagining himself in a dance sequence, because she says a lady says something to him that he, makes him feel really good about himself, so that he dances down the street like a full-on dance number, right? 
If you're going to do that, right. then you have to do the trifecta. There have to be at least three wild and wacky, disconnected from reality moments kind of thing. I know I'm not in love with formulas, but to balance it out, to make it feel right. Like Kevin Smith put a dance number in Clerks 2. It makes sense completely. It makes sense. And also it's Clerks 2. Like yeah. we know the world. We know Kevin Smith's mind. And for some reason, it makes sense, right? This yeah. was would have been a disaster, I think. So I'm glad they didn't put it in there. Now, one of the things I was reading was this movie was originally being directed by Dexter Fletcher, who is a British director who was in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. He was the chef guy. Mm. Now, he was the original director of this, and then he had some kind of and went some kind of disagreement and went off to direct something else. But some of it was done by him, and the rest of it was done by this new director. So maybe that's why it felt choppy. Hmm, All weird. Maybe it was two different ideas, and they had to do what they could with what they had at the end of it. Because hmm. that's how it felt. It there, was, there were certain scenes where I was like, now that's a cool action scene, and here's a scene that's supposed to be funny, but it's not that funny. Like when they were in the police house, for instance, the first time, you know, talking to a boss and talking to a partner and the other policemen. I think that was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't, was it? I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. Because like, a, like something that um, bookends, like because there'd been some horrific stuff before it and there's some more horrific stuff after. I thought that was supposed to be like a... But it's know. tacky because she's at the point of discovering that the entire police force is corrupt. Right where her dead father was like the only uncorruptible person. So it doesn't seem funny to me. And that's where I felt like some choppiness. Like they, they reveal that, that the police, everything's corrupt and she's on the run all, and then she's waking up and then it just all is very. Yeah. Like not filled in. Exactly. Like and a let's crumb. address the one thing that a lot of people will complain about what I say, but Nicholas Cage it's just Nicolas Cage. <laughs> right? I mean, yes, he's like... Oh, blah, 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 I mean, I really, I really liked what he was doing with But it. we've seen Nicolas Cage do interviews, and this is just him going like, yeah, I'm freaking Dracula, man. You know what I mean? I mean, he's really into Dracula. In life, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And it, it, what, his lifelong thing for acting was always to be Dracula in some... Right, Respect. but he's into the 1931 version yes. that's not really, like, that's not described in the book. It's, so he's just hung up on that, and he does that exactly precisely. <laughs> yeah, he does do that, doesn't he? And it's he, not interesting to me. It wasn't, like, entertaining to me, unfortunately, although I appreciate. There were some scenes where he was absolutely badass, and I liked the special effects of the bats and everything that go oh, around. Oh, yeah. You know? And there was, you know, that scene where he just literally murders that entire group. Yeah, but that's not really down to Nicolas Cage. That's what I'm getting No, but at. The, he did pull off the, oh, Dracula is a real fucker. Like, I wasn't, like, scared of him. No. But I was like, who's he going to kill, though? Like, because he doesn't really care, does he? He doesn't care. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> like, he could kill anybody in this movie, and I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, it's a funny movie. Not in a... Like, it's a funny movie as in, oh, that was hilarious. Because <laughs> there were moments where I went, ha ha. But it e wasn't like. Exactly. You know, belly laughing or anything. And I, I do enjoy the premise of a Dracula in a modern world. But then 
Dracula is sidelined for three quarters of the movie, pretty much, while we go off with Renfield. I know it's Renfield's movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it is called Renfield. A lot of the things where we, with Renfield, are not particularly funny. And I know this. you can clearly, when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, they're trying to be really, really funny and poignant and pointed to things, but it doesn't always work, the sense mm-hmm. of humor, I don't think. Like Shaun of the Dead's a prime example. It's funny. It's actually funny. And also horrific at the same time. Now, to pull that off, it's kind of hard, isn't it? I would think, yeah. Yeah, and this is trying to do that by going for the shock. And yes, it is gory. Right, extremely gory, right? I think it was all CG gore, because if you noticed when blood and stuff splashed on things, it looked kind of digital. Yeah, Renfield, it's... A mixed bag of blood. <laughs> Is that right? I get what you're going for. Yeah. So let's get on to the cast. Nicolas Cage plays Dracula. And you've said pretty much what you said about Yeah. Him. I really like Nicolas Cage. I find him enjoyable to watch. I liked him in this, but I don't feel like he was in it enough. And you're right. He was oh, just... Oh, I feel like it was too much. I wanted it to be more... Dracula. Yeah, but it's called Renfield. What are you talking about? It's it not is, about Dracula. It, it doesn't mean at all. It. I mean, he's less interesting. If it was called Dracula, then you would want it to be all Dracula. This is called Renfield. Correct. And I feel like the Nicolas Cage version of Dracula was too much. And it was when he would come into the scene, I was like, here we go again. Not another, that I was in love with Renfield guy, but you know. Another Nicholas, Nicholas Holt plays Renfield. Now, I actually like Nicholas Holt quite a bit, but again, I don't think it's his fault, but I feel like so a lot of the stuff that's supposed to be funny doesn't work. Yeah. But I don't I think it's him. I think it's because of the script. I agree. Sense of humor is a, I mean, one person might find this hysterical and me, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I snigger a little bit every now and then. It's subjective. But I, I think he was trying to be funny a lot. I think, uh, let's get on to Aquafina who plays Rebecca, I think she's very funny. Yes, funny, best thing in the movie. And I don't think it's because like her lines are funnier than anybody else's. I think it's just, she's funny. Correct. So we can't say that the other guy, we can blame his lack of funniness on the script if we're saying that she's just funny in spite of the script. You see she, what I'm saying? Yeah, because there's something about her. I really like her. And I think a, a, this dry, flat sense of humor that she has is funny to me. So I don't think it matters what movie she's in. I'd probably always find her <laughs> funny. Yeah, Aquafina was the best part of this movie. I agree. Ben Schwartz plays Tedward Lobo. Oh, God. He's the... Annoying. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I think he did a good job of being what he was supposed to be. True. Very true. Especially when he got a taste of being a badass at the end. And he was just going absolutely insane. Like, I've got power now. And, and just creep. being a complete dick. I actually think he did a good job. The character is really one-dimensional cartoon character, but he did with it what he was supposed to. And then I put the mother down because I find her interesting. She's called Shoharan Agashdu, and she plays Bella Francesca Lobo. I just wish she was something better than what she ended up being. Yes, I was going to say, I don't find her that interesting because they didn't do anything... Interesting. No, I like uh, what I really like though is the actress. And I was like, well, if she's in it, what is she? She's like the boss of the family. Yeah. 
the head. She has to be something. Like, it's, she's too interesting on the screen. And they make her very dramatic every time she says something. So she has to be something. Well, guess what? She's not really anything. She really was. <laughs> <laughs> directed by Chris McKay. He directed the Lego Batman movie. And he also directed the Tomorrow War. Do you remember that one? Describe it. It was uh, Chris Pratt, and it was like a war in the future, and they had, they had to go through like a little portal, and they go and fight in it. And he lands in a swimming pool the first time. Kind he does of, it. yes. Yeah. It was interesting, but not superbly executed, <laughs> I would call it. But an interesting concept. So what do you think of this directing here? I don't, I don't know if I have a comment on the directing. I do like the action scenes. They were really well done. Kind of. Kind of. Not fully because it was pretty choppy, no pun intended. And the look of some of the setups, cinematography looked cool with some the bar looked cool from the outside and inside the hospital with the bags of blood and all that was like interesting set pieces. But I figure they come from the graphic novel. I'm guessing that in the graphic novel, you have depictions of these places. And this is what we're And there is a graphic novel of Renfield, but apparently it's a lot more serious than this movie. Right. Not a lot more serious, actually serious. The the humor is not in it. So why they chose to add a load of humor, I do not know. I don't either because it doesn't help. It might be better in like a really serious way. Oh, I like I like darkness, you know, like I want darkness. But if you're gonna pull off, I guess, really wacky, bloodthirsty stuff, maybe If you're not good at the darkness, you have to go comedy. I don't know. IMDb reviews. What are those? Those are reviews on a website that they give them one star. And you like to make fun of them when you actually enjoy the movie. Now, today might be interesting. Person number one says, this film thinks it's much more than it actually is. (laughs) It's nothing original. Routine gore comedy. The gore value is supposed to give the viewer a trendy feel. But there's nothing new here. Therapy scene is stolen from Austin Powers with gore, of course. Silly fighting scene. And the usual underdog anti-hero guy who finds a girl he likes. Silly mafia cartoon villains. Hollywood thinks very lowly of its audience. I like Nicolas Cage, but other than a cliched silly Dracula with too much gore makeup and bad teeth, he adds very little. At best, it's a one-time view for curiosity. This film thinks it's much more than it is. Did I write that? (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of what you would say. <laughs> I don't recall writing that, but it sounds right <laughs> up my alley. I'm I'm on board with that one. I feel like that's fair. Second guy says, the leading actress, policewoman in brackets, is the worst actress I've ever seen. She can't even walk properly. Sucks. That's it. Not fair because she's great. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> she's the best part of the movie. Correct. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. And... This guy, third guy, says, I love the black and white opening scene. It was impressive with shot-for-shot recreations of the original movie. That and Nicolas Cage's Dracula are the only things that the movie does right. Nicholas Holt and his narration voice over the top is so boring and monotonous. Aquafina is the worst actress ever, and I don't understand why they keep casting her. I believe the comedic and silly tone ruins the movie. It's just if it was a real horror movie, it would have had a fighting chance. The end. Okay, I disagree about the Aquafina part, but about the real horror movie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, make it, like, real. You know off the top of the movie that it's a goofy movie. It does take away any, like... You, you can show as much gore as you want. Person's face being ripped off. People getting ripped in half. 
but you've always got the this is goofy in your mind. Yes. If you remove that part, it's often more gruesome than, you know, you would take it differently. Exactly. I actually agree with the people in the reviews. They sounded, usually, most weeks, they sound like, (laughs) these are crazy people. Did they watch the same movie? They're disagreeing with us? What what jerks? But uh, I disagree (laughs) about Aquafina. I think she's awesome. I will... I will die on the Aquafina Hill. Oh my. <laughs> that's even, well, that's severe, but that's very kind of you. Yes. So scores for Renfield. There are yeah. some extras. You can watch a dance number, deleted scenes, gag reel, etc. I'm gonna give Renfield a five out of ten. Oh, I'm going four point six. Pretty close. Mm. All right, so thank you to Universal. Next week we're gonna look at the movie A Good Person. It's directed by Zach Braff. You directed Garden State, one of my favorite movies, and stars Florence Pugh. What do you think of that? Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. That's what I think every time I hear that name. Sorry, Florence. Florence has probably heard that many a time. (laughs) Yes. And she's like, And I hate to be boring, but it is is what it is. Florence is thinking this when somebody does it. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Please go away. All right. Movie recommendations. I was thinking of Nicolas Cage. And it was close between Face Off, which is the most unhinged, weird <laughs> performance you'll see from Cage, or David Lynch's Wild at Heart, which is awesome. He plays a sailor. He is also unhinged and wacky. I was going to say, I don't know if these are the most unhinged because we've seen him unhinged a lot. And yeah. We haven't even seen 8mm. The tons of movies that he has made that we've never even Oh, he's made a lot with. of movies, yeah. yeah. But for me, uh, David Lynch's Wild at Heart is my favorite. Thinking of Nicholas Holt, I came back again to Mad Max Fury Road, which he is awesome in. It's very different performance to what he does here. I don't remember that. He was the bald guy who like snorts the uh, oh, chrome okay. stuff. Yeah, he was like uh, chasing them. Not the baddie. The one who is like one of the baddies but turns good. Okay, Spoilers. don't remember that. Yeah, so And then my recommendations are in the in this here the uh 21st century. I'm going back to the beginning of the 21st century and the however millennia that it is and looking at science fiction movies that I've seen. The quality is subjective and therefore I'm just giving you the list of things I have seen. And this week we're up to 2013 with The Purge. I like The Purge. I really do too. Again, gruesome and it's committed to being a horrific idea in a horrific world with horrific consequences, nothing funny going on. Now you can have movies where you have moments of levity, you know, like whatever, like human observation things about how we are, but that I like the purge. It commits to being like, Ew, we're just terrible. And we not only watched all the purge movies, we even watched the TV series, both seasons. Correct. We we are the purge. um, King and queen. Yeah. The Returned, which I don't remember now. I don't even, I've never heard of it. Well, there's The Returned and World War Z. Not great. And I'm a zombie lover. World, World War, War Z. Z had all the potential to be awesome. It had huge potential. But then it wasn't. It was not. Hmm. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes from like 2014. That's 2014. Yep. Dawn I, of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. That's any Planet of the Apes movie I think I'm into. I, maybe. Am I overstating that? I have to think about it. And then uh, 2014 also, Divergent, which I was like, actually all right. 
Yeah, it, it was fair, it was good, and then there was a sequel, and then they didn't finish it off. I mean, it was sort of like an alternate universe of the Hunger Games, essentially without the Hunger Games. It was the <laughs> it, when the Hunger Games became the biggest novel, like you know, at that time. They were searching desperately for what other novel is like really big and Divergent came up. So the And it's a future dystopian overlords ruling exactly precisely how everyone has to live. And, you know, of course, there's going to be some sort of revolution and there's always a group of people on the outside, on the fringe and blah, blah, blah. I remember really enjoying it. I mm-hmm. liked everybody who was in it, too. And then when it got cancelled basically after the second movie there's supposed to be three movies so they could finish the whole book off i never even went and read like what happened yeah i was just disappointed and i kind of forgot about it <laughs> so i don't know how great it was except in the moment it was fine i don't know i'm kind of into those kind of uh, bleak, <laughs> you know bleak movies a scully stuff been playing some more emulator games even you had a some emulator gaming yesterday yeah. you played the several versions of the Atari game Centipede. Yeah. And why do you like Centipede? Well, I have memories as a young person, let's say mid to late teens, of going to my brother's, who was an adult at the time, but now I realize he was just in his 20s. Still, he lived on his own in a different town, in a different place. And I would go there, and when he and his wife were at work all day, they would leave me alone, and he had the Atari's, I didn't know what it was, but we've determined it's a 7,800 and I would literally play centipede or space invaders just all all day day, (laughs) over and over and over. And I'm sure I was in a trance, like super trance, like just mesmerized by it, you know, clicking it in and turn on the little tiny, it was probably 19 inch TV and I would sit right on the floor, right in front of it. And so when you cranked it up, I was just like, the little controller I'm not a fan of that we have, but I think that if I had a bigger controller, I could probably go trance out in front of it. Again. I use a eight bit dough. It's um, a company who make retro controllers. I use that little mini controller. I really like it, but uh, they also do a bigger one. So maybe somebody's birthday is coming mm-hmm. up. Maybe they would like one. Oh, well maybe somebody asked somebody yesterday what they would like for their <laughs> birthday. And they said, mm, lots of things. Wow. That's not, not specific enough. Also, I need a link. <laughs> it's the modern world. Send me a link. My Amazon <laughs> wish list. It, it'll be on there if I want it. <laughs> I'll yeah. check it out. But yeah, Centipede's a fun game. I don't have any history with it apart from playing it in the arcade a little bit. But we also played some Pac-Man. You know what's great about Pac-Man? It is literally never, it'll never go old, grow old. You can always have a game of it. And it's fun. True, true. It's very difficult. People think Pac-Man's some easy thing. It's not, is it? It's no, very difficult. It is difficult. I find it difficult. I've played Pac-Man since it came out on and off over and over and over and over. And I think the furthest I've ever been is like four levels in. And, you know, I don't know how many there are, but I don't feel like I'll ever get any better than that. It's my brain only works at a certain pace, <laughs> you know. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight we're going to have some kind of sandwich. Is it a Subway sandwich? Don't know. It's some kind of sandwich. Some kind of sandwich. Is that uh, acceptable? Yes. Very well. And what is your advice? And let's get out of it. Um, my advice may not make a lot of people super happy. We're all cozy and fuzzy inside. But my philosophy of life is 
pretty basic. Like the thing we're doing now, like what we're living, you and me talking, watching this movie, me playing the Sims, me growing my garden, my relationships, my family, my friends. I'm going to say this now and people are going to hate it. But in the whole of the universe, it doesn't matter. Like in the whole history of everything, it actually doesn't matter. Even the biggest things that you can imagine in history and human accomplishments will not matter in the whole of it all. Right? Right. Now that sounds bleak. I know. Stay with me here. What that does for me. So for some people that would trigger like, well, then I'm giving up. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter what I do because in a hundred years, I'll be dead and nobody gives a shit, right? Okay, well, that's one interpretation. The other one is that means that everything I do, whether I'm being inspirational or I'm being snotty or I'm being like creative or just talking or doing this pod, whatever I'm doing matters right now. Like it's filling the time of my life And through that, it's filling up some of the time of your life and in the thoughts and the actions and some of our activities with other people and what we say to each other and how we get through right now through like the course of our 80 or 90 years that we may live. If we do, not everyone does, obviously. That's how it matters. Like it only matters right now. And through the course of our lives and how we impact each other and that right now I'm content and satisfied and happy to live the life I have with you. And we've we've moved toward it like we've made choices in life to get us to here. And that matters, right? Because when my life's done, then my life will be done and it will have mattered to some people. And then when all those people are dead, it won't matter anymore. Correct. (laughs) Like (laughs) and I'm totally down with that. I have no I don't have a thing where I'm like, oh, when it's over, I'll be gone or people will miss me or when other people die, I miss them. I get that a hundred percent. And I cannot speak to some horrific losses that people have. I cannot, I won't, you know, I'm not going to address that, but in the course of a life with, let's just talk about the natural course of things. When a person becomes elderly and ill and passes away or gets ill, like that sort of natural, you know, course of things, or or even not death, just separating in life. Like you had a friend who's not your friend anymore and it kind of goes on and they impact you somehow. But again, when we're done, we'll be done. And so I feel like it matters to make it right, right now, as best we can. All right. Thank you, Sid Talk. Very nice. Genius, genius that stuff right there. That was like a TED Talk. <laughs> oh, I should have been like putting my fingers together and walking back and forth on a stage. All right. Ascully.com is the place you can go to get this podcast. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can also go to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, YouTube to pick up this podcast. Subscribe. Or just don't bother subscribing and just listen. But make sure you listen with your ears. <laughs> email feedback to Ascully at Ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want your email. And stay classy. Mr. Nicholas Cage. And he's got eight movies coming out this year. Um, so I'm sure we'll see him again. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you're not doing it, someone's definitely doing it for you. <laughs>